listening to the Bible 126 show. Welcome to Man in America. I'm your host, Seth Holhouse. With the White House preparing to ship out half a billion at-home COVID tests in January, millions of them to schools, it's safe to assume that the U.S. is about to see a new wave of COVID fear, cases, and hospitalizations. But after almost two years of treating COVID in hospitals with fairly dismal results once a patient is put on a ventilator, is there anything we can do to protect ourselves and our loved ones should we wind up having to go to the hospital for any reason? Returning to our show today is Dr. Brian Artis, a leading voice in the battle to understand why certain treatments are being favored over others, how some protocols are leading to dangerous outcomes, and how we can take back control of our own health and our own medical decisions. Welcome back, Dr. Brian Artis. I'm so excited for today's show. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Seth Holhouse, you're amazing. It's great to see you again. Thank you, Brian. But before we start, I got to say you something. Now, Dr. Artis, as an expert on the human body, is it important to get a good night's sleep? Yes or no? Oh, my goodness. Sleep is so important. Everybody needs to be sleeping. Seven right, to eight you, hours. You, you heard it. Sleep. You heard it, folks, from the doctor himself. So if you're tossing and turning and worrying about the border, inflation, the new variant of the month, have I got a solution for you? When you invest in a brand new pillow or some beautiful Egyptian cotton sheets from my pillow, not only will you get a good night's rest, but you'll be supporting American jobs and American patriots like Mike Lindell and Man America. And you'll also be sending a clear message to the globalists that they can't rob you of your dreams anymore. So head on over to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% when you use the, como, the promo code MAN. That's MAN for Man in America. You can also call 1-800-985-8966. That's 1-800-985-8966. All right, Brian, are you ready to get into this today? Seth Hullhouse, did you know that sleep, it's been proven through multiple research studies to help you lose weight? Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I can tell you, to be honest, after I got my MyPillow Giza sheets, I think I've been slimming down around the waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tighten that belt. Maybe my pillow needs to start selling new belts for you. Keep your britches up. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Um, so before we jump into the video, you know, for those of you that saw the pr presentation, as I called this an urgent video. Um, I don't use those words lightly. Some folks, they, they put all caps, urgent, breaking, uh, you know, all kinds of you know, clickbait headlines. But I, I genuinely believe that this is an urgent video. I believe that, Dr. Artis, the message that you're putting out there is very, very important. So I hope that for those of you watching that this not only gives you a lot of really helpful information, but I hope that you can share this video with any friends or family that might listen. Uh, because as you'll see in what we talk about today with the new tests rolling out, these protocols are using, there are a lot of people that are at risk, even if you don't think that they are. Um, so Brian, I, I recently saw you out in Dallas and I want to tell you a little story. I was at my booth at, you know, a Rise TV booth at the show and this woman walked up to me and she was in tears. She was just sobbing. And of course, I'm, I was struck by that. I said, man, what's wrong? And she said, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for crying. But she says, but look, she said, my husband of, of 40 years, my high school sweetheart, healthy as anything, rarely went to the doctor even, just 
perfect image of health. He was in his 60s. She was, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, he had a coworker that had COVID. He wasn't feeling well. He had some lower back pain. Uh, so he thought it'd be the safe thing to go to the hospital and get tested. He went to the hospital. He tested positive for COVID. And within about 10 days, he was dead. And I asked her a little more, a little more with the details. And he was put under remdesivir protocol. And she was just sobbing. And so I want to ask you, Dr. Artis, what happened? And I know you don't know this case in particular, but what happens when a person goes in and gets a positive test? And how is it that they're more likely to end up potentially dying than getting out of their healthy? Yeah, it's a great question. It's sadly one of 820,000 of these same stories just for Americans alone. So let's just bring this home for everybody. I know it's kind of disturbing to even consider this, but uh, I don't know if your audience understands the magnitude of deception that's going on. Uh, our federal health agencies are actually, and our federal government is actually paying bonuses to every hospital in America if they will PCR test, meaning put a swab up your nose and down your throat, every single person that comes through their doors, regardless of why you went in. Even if you sprained your ankle or sprained your wrist, stubbed your toe, want to go get an x-ray and you go to an ER, if you go to an emergency room or to a hospital, they are going to COVID-19 test you. Why? Because they're being incentivized that monthly reports given to the federal government by the hospital, if they can show they PCR tested a huge amount of people or 100% of all of you, they get added bonus money for free. If they can give a COVID-19 diagnosis on top of whatever the reason is you went into that hospital, let's say you sprained your wrist and they give you a COVID-19 positive diagnosis, they get a 20% add-on bonus payment for the other diagnoses they gave you. The hospitals are being incentivized to PCR test everyone, give a COVID-19 positive diagnosis. They're incentivized to do this. And they're being paid extra money to put every COVID-19 positive PCR tested person as soon as possible on remdesivir and venting them. And they're giving a, our Medicare group alone is paying 20% bonus payout to any Medicare aged individual, individuals that walk into a hospital get tested positive for COVID-19, if the hospital gives that diagnosis, they're being given a 20% add-on bonus payment to use room. So they're being incentivized to use these deadly protocols. And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened to this lady that you met at your booth. They immediately PCR tested her, her husband. They then found a positive COVID-19 diagnosis or gave it even fraudulently, fraudulently because the PCR tests are not reliable, which is what they're shipping out to all Americans right now. And then they're going to pump that guy full of remdesivir and put him on a vent ASAP. They get upwards of $100,000 for every person that person they do this to five days for. Now so the, what is the, what, what happens when they're given remdesivir? So remdesivir is shipped to hospitals in these little bitty dried powder in a bottle called lyophilized remdesivir drug. They add sodium chloride to it, inject that into your veins and remdesivir within a three to five day period is proven to cause acute kidney failure, liver failure, and heart failure in three to five days. When these people's kidneys are shut down by remdesivir and next to the remdesivir IV bag on the IV stand is also a sodium chloride bag, which is your fluids. That's your typical saline just to, to put fluid in your body, right? Exactly right. That's being pumped into you the whole time. But remdesivir is shutting down your kidney's ability to excrete 
added water to your body. And then what's going to happen is remdesivir shuts down the kidneys. You can't urinate out water. They're going to pump you full of water into your veins called saline solution, sodium chloride. That water is going to accumulate first in your abdomen. It's then going to saturate into your heart, and then it's going to flood into your lungs, creating what is called pulmonary edema. This is water accumulating in the lungs. You are drowning internally. Why is this happening? Because remdesivir is shutting down your kidneys. This is why they have to vent these individuals on remdesivir because they can't breathe through the added water and mucus from a respiratory virus of any kind, be it a cold, flu, pneumonia. It doesn't matter. COVID. It doesn't matter what it is. You shut down somebody's kidneys and flood their lungs with water, you're going to drown them to death. And this is exactly the protocol. The NIH tells all hospitals, use remdesivir for five days of treatment at an average cost of $3,400. And then we want you to, if you don't see improvements after five days, you can do a second five-day treatment. The average individuals die on day nine of 10. That is 10 days of remdesivir poisoning, and the body just can't survive that much trauma or toxicity. So why would they use remdesivir? Is this a drug that has previous studies of showing it's effective against uh, you know, coronavirus type, um, you know, illnesses or, you know, why use remdesivir and, and who's making the decision to recommend these hospitals to use remdesivir, let alone who's cutting the checks to these hospitals for using them, for using remdesivir. Yeah. Great question. Uh, your audience should wonder the same thing I did in May of 2020. I uncovered the memo that Dr. Anthony Fauci put out first to all hospitals in the country that they were to use only one experimental antiviral drug called remdesivir and nothing else to treat all COVID-19 patients. And he quoted that there was two studies that supported its use. He said it was found safe and effective against the Ebola virus in an experimental trial in Africa for one year that lasted from November of 2018 to December of 2019. That study published right before COVID hit the United States in 2020. Now, in that study, it's still on New England Journal of Medicine's website. If you just click the study and go look at it, look up remdesivir, uh, Ebola trial in Africa, and it comes up as the first link. Anthony Fauci lied to all of you in May of 2020 when he said this drug was found safe and effective against the Ebola virus. So now we're going to use it against this coronavirus. It was actually found to be the most lethal drug of the four experimental drugs in that trial. Remdesivir was pulled from the study halfway through the one-year study on August 9th, 2019. Look at the study. They found it actually was the least effective drug against Ebola, and it was the only drug that killed 50% plus of the people they gave the drug to out of four drugs. So I knew he was lying at that point. It wasn't proven safe and effective. It was proven to be the least effective and the most dangerous. The second study he quoted, that is the entire reason this drug's being used in all hospitals in America, he said that three months later after that Ebola trial published in December of 2019, he said there was a study done by Gilead Sciences, the manufacturer and patent owner of remdesivir. They said, Anthony Fauci did, that this company, Gilead, conducted its own study on 53 COVID-19 patients in March of 2020. They gave 53 COVID-19 PCR positive tested patients from four different countries, remdesivir for 10 days. You know what their conclusions to that study was? 31% of all the people they gave that drug to before day 10 experienced multiple organ failure and kidney failure as a result. 
And then this was the drug two months later that Anthony Fauci said was proven safe and effective against the Ebola virus and was proven safe and effective in this, this little COVID-19 study. And I have to tell you, the, Nat, the, the World Health Organization in November of 2020 published a whole worldwide notice that after reviewing all the data, they do not recommend, they said, we do not recommend remdesivir be used at all for hospitalized COVID-19 patients. They found it ineffective against COVID-19, and it did not reduce mortality or reduce hospitalization. And then in July of 2020, JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, published a study of the VA's findings, the veterans. VA hospitals conducted with like 7,000 veterans. They put them on remdesivir for COVID-19. They found that it did not improve mortality rates. All it did was make people sicker longer in hospitals and made their hospital stays longer. That's what they concluded. Mm. So if the WHO is, has come out, you say it was, you say it was November 2020? November of 2020. If they came out saying don't use remdesivir, why is Fauci continuing to push that? I, I always thought that Fauci was just pushing the same narrative that you might see coming from Tedros at the, w, the WHO. There's only one reason why Anthony Fauci would promote the use of this drug after all the information that we had. In fact, earlier in 2020, France did its own study for five patients with COVID-19 and they published their findings before Anthony Fauci published his May memo. And they found that within 14 days, they were going to do the study on five COVID-19 patients. They found of the five people, four had to be taken off the drug remdesivir early than 14 days because two of them had liver enzymes that went up so high, their liver was shutting down and they were going to die. So they had to pull them off from Desivere. Two of the other five had to be taken off the drug because they required acute kidney transplants because remdesivir killed their kidneys. <sighs> two out of the five died. Only one survived the 14 days of poisoning. So why would Anthony Fauci promote the use of remdesivir? I will tell you, there's only one reason. The bioweapon that was engineered by Ralph Barrick at UNC with funding from our federal government and our federal health agencies, they were trying to make a spike protein on a common cold virus called a coronavirus more infectious and dangerous to human tissue. Which and is, unleashed, that's gain of function, right? That is called gain of function testing. This is what I realized. They have been funding gain-of-function testing for years, trying to make this virus or a virus more infectious and dangerous to all humanity. The only problem is, is when they unleashed this on the world, it wasn't as deadly as they hoped it would be, and they needed a drug that was proven to be very deadly to actually use and set up a hospital protocol to mass murder hundreds of thousands of innocent Americans in hospitals, and then they were going to take the data of those deaths and those numbers and they were going to project them into the media as being deaths from complications of a virus when, in fact, it was actually remdesivir poisoning all along. But they were going to project in the media all these totals of people dying in the, in the hospitals across America. To Brian, you, you cut out briefly. I see a nice frozen image of you. sell all of you hey brian sorry can you, you, can you rewind like 30 seconds your 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 feed froze 
Okay, good. Are we live now? Are we on? Let's see. Yep, you're good. I can hear you. Okay, good. All right, so what I was saying was is he had to use remdesivir to mass murder a whole lot of Americans, throw those death numbers, and project them into the media to scare Americans into a reality that they were dying from complications of a virus when, in fact, they were dying from being poisoned by a drug called remdesivir. And they were setting up hospital protocols, shutting down the access of individuals to get into their loved one's ICU units that they were treating so they could actually hide their incredible, horrible, murderous protocols. And they were going to use these numbers to project to you that this virus is extremely dangerous. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans are dying from this virus. And there's going to be a coming vaccine to be the savior. And this was the entire setup. Uh, The CDC has been using this tactic for decades. They've been throwing out really skewed and misconceived, misinformed data sets to convince Americans that the flu is extremely deadly to all Americans. And then they would, the CDC would sell everybody through the media that you need to get flu shots every year to protect you from this deadly virus. When in fact, the numbers they actually give you and have for the last 20 years I'm aware of are actually pneumonia numbers and not influenza numbers. But they're using those numbers to scare you into getting a flu shot, which is their so agenda. They, they want to they sell it. The CDC, um, I think, you know, when I hear CDC, I think it's a government agency. Is the CDC a government agency? Do they have any, is there any financial interest that they have in vaccines or, or is it something that is, is just a regulatory industry is looking out for the health of Americans? You know, Seth, I love when people ask me questions I don't know the answers to. I love it. So I actually will say, I don't know who owns the CDC. I don't know if it's run by the government or if it's a private entity, but I will tell you, it doesn't matter which it is. This organization sets up the schedules for vaccines mm-hmm. and then demands that that schedule be held to in order for kids to get into schools, for you to keep your jobs, whatever it is. The CDC actually owns patents and the rights to many of the vaccines they control the schedule for. And I find that a conflict of interest. I, I would, at a, at a minimum, it's a conflict of interest. Um, so with the, the CDC recommending this, you know, you mentioned that people going in getting a PCR test. What, let's just say if, if a thousand people go into the hospital, their PCR tested to be COVID positive, what percentage of them are going on to this remdesivir? Is it a small portion or is this the de facto way to treat someone that has COVID? No, this is the de facto. This is the supposed only drug antiviral FDA approved right now. It's even on the NIH's website right now. Remdesivir is titled on their table 2F that they just updated on December 16th because of our work in the media. They updated that chart and then put right next to remdesivir. It is the only FDA approved drug to treat all COVID-19 patients hospitalized in America. You know, it's, it's interesting because last October, we looked at that same chart and because we had, we had this in it, the second item, the second drug listed was ivermectin. And it was not a, it didn't say it wasn't recommended. It said, I think it was, uh, well, I think what the, it was part, part of their approved treatments. They said it was generally well tolerated. I had someone reach out to me recently on Telegram saying, look, I went to that same sh- chart that you shared when you interviewed Dr. Brian Artis last time. And now ivermectin is no longer recommended. And they removed, they even removed the little thing that says generally well tolerated. It's do, not recommended anymore. Do you know I have That's been- That's your fault. <laughs> it is absolutely my fault because I go into speaking engagements all over the place. 
in front of legislators in Montana and all over the place. And I will put that chart up on the screen and I actually use a laser pointer and I actually would circle that one bullet point side effect next to ivermectin that said generally well tolerated. And what's the only one that NIH just deleted? Generally well tolerated by all. It is so obvious I've got the NIH's attention. It's fabulous. I love that this chart has been made aware to legislators. People in hospitals were being saved, Seth, every week by handing that chart over to doctors going, look, it's on the NIH's website. It says it's approved and under just as approved or under evaluation as remdesivir. And the doctors would go like this. I never knew this chart existed. And then they would switch them from the remdesivir to ivermectin and the people would walk out of the hospital. And now the NIH updated that chart. And I have to tell you, I've known about the chart for about three and a half months and I've been pumping it out everywhere all over the world. But every day I look to see when are they going to update it? Because its last update was July 8th, 2021. And I knew they were going to be paying attention to all of this chart circulating around the world that I've been promoting and getting all over the place. And it was effective and helped save a lot of lives that I'm very excited about. Uh, But I just have to let everybody know the fact that they changed that chart is not surprising. The fact that they removed the generally well tolerated by all, I just want you to know, I already downloaded that whole form so I can compare side by side and show you their deception, which is fabulous. They're they're deceiving all of you. It it reminds me, wasn't there a, a biblical story of Brian and Goliath? It's this one man named Brian that took down Goliath. <laughs> Brian and Goliath. Uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So um, now uh, we'll get into the tests in a little bit because I know that they're, they're, they're rolling out a bunch of you know, at-home tests and that's a whole other subject. But before we get to that, if, you know, say my father, who's in his 60s, you know, he may, he, maybe he has a cough and he goes in to, it might be a seasonal cough, right? He goes into the hospital and he takes a PCR test and they say, look, you're now COVID positive. And my, the next phone call I get is from, you know, say a family member. They say, hey, look, dad's in the hospital. Uh, they're treating him for COVID. What do I do at that moment? If, if I think, oh my goodness, you know, like the woman in Dallas, if she would have had your information on day two, now we'll talk about how to do it, how to you know, prevent these things ahead of time. But in that moment where your family member is in the hospital, what do you do? Uh, the most important thing right now, I've been in the media nonstop since May of 2020 with the same message. You need to be prepared before you have to go to the hospital. And there are going to be emergencies that come up, car wrecks, accidents, you name it, where you're going to think you need to go to an emergency room. And when I said the hospitals are incentivized right now to do everything related to COVID, they are. So I would recommend right now the same thing I've recommended for the last two years. Uh, We've had an attorney named Kelly Sorrell. She created some forms that I believe every American needs to have on hand all the time in case you need to end up in a hospital at any period, anytime soon, until all these protocols are abolished. And those two forms are on my site at thedrartistshow.com, thedrartistshow.com. If you actually create a username and password and just sign into the actual website, there's this resources page that appears on the navigation bar that does not appear if you just go visit my site. You have to actually sign in with a username and password. All these resources are free, but when you click the resources tab, all this great COVID documentation, research, videos, all this stuff comes up. Patient advocacy info. If you scroll to the bottom of that resources page, there's two forms all of you need. The medical directive to physicians form and the medical power of attorney form. In fact, Seth, when I saw that the NIH updated that chart, my wife, I showed it to her. I was like, I can't believe it. Look what they just did. We've got their attention. 
And her immediate reaction was, well, now what are people going to do? And I went, this makes it so much easier, actually. I have been telling people to print four forms. Now I only have to tell you to print two forms. Just print the advanced medical directive to physicians form, print it out, sign it, initial the things that you do not consent to, and then get it notarized by your bank or anywhere else. Notaries at banks are typically free. This makes this a legally binding document for both the medical power of attorney form and the actual directive to physicians form. It tells the hospital up front, you initial the very first thing on that chart states, I don't care if you test me positive with a PCR test to confirm I have COVID-19 or you just presume from my symptoms that I have COVID-19. I do not consent to remdesivir treatment or being vented in any regards. And this legal document tells them what you do not consent to. This actually provides legal recourse later if needed, if they still follow through and give you remdesivir or vent you. Also, Seth, your audiences need to know in hospitals around the nation right now, they have uh, in their intake forms, they have text hidden in there. If you don't read it all, that in most hospitals, it states by signing this intake form, you consent to us giving you the COVID-19 injections without your verbal consent. And really? You even, and you don't even know you signed it. So, this- so even if you don't want a COVID vaccine, say I go to the hospital, say I, I you know, break my ankle building a chicken coop, which you know, I, I could see happening, right? <laughs> and so if I go into the hospital with a, with a broken ankle and I sign their intake form, that with hidden within that intake form is me giving them permission to vaccinate me basically against my conscious will. Am I understanding you correctly? Absolutely. By signing that, in, that intake form, you're consenting to a lot of hospitals in their writing to give you the COVID-19 shot. And if you've wondered if that's happened over this year and you've been in a hospital, just look at your discharge papers. It'll actually have a list of medications that were prescribed to you while you were there. And when you left or what you need to go get after you left, it will list the COVID-19 vaccine on a lot of your schedules and you did not consent to it, but it's listed as a medication you received. So you're seeing this happen already. Oh yeah, we've already seen the documents. In fact, uh, I just have to let you know too, it's no different than when the Biden administration has said, when you send your child to a public school by actually sending them to the school, you are consenting to them getting the COVID-19 shots while at that school without being told. That has actually been put out. And there are mobile healthcare center units going inside the parking lots of grade schools, elementary schools, and teachers are walking their classrooms of kids in public school to the parking lot to get the vaccines that the kids are signing documentation for, like they know, but doing it behind parents' back. This is a horrible, horrible abuse of power. So that's happening in America. Yeah. Oh, it's happening in America. It's happening in multiple states right now. Oh my goodness. Well, just for everyone watching, the all the links that Dr. Artis talks about, uh, whether it's during the show or after the show, we'll make sure we put those in the description. And for all of you that are following me on Telegram, which you're not, I highly recommend it. It's uh, t.me slash man in America. I will make sure to send out all these links after the show. And I will also send out Dr. Artis's Telegram uh, as well, where you can follow him in your website, just so you have that. Um, so here's a, an important question. I'm sure that you're aware that Peter McCullough was on Joe Rogan recently uh, and with what you're doing and there's a lot with all of this information getting out to the mainstream, are you seeing more doctors and nurses waking up? Are they becoming more aware of what 
they're doing? Or are they uh, you know, having an about face about what's happening? So I'm going to quote Dr. Peter McCullough. You know, we've hung out many times. You were with him here in our backyard a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) But uh, Dr. Peter McCullough has said uh, countless times that in America, there are currently about a million licensed medical doctors, but less than 500 of them are actually awakened. So this is not a very large number. In fact, I think uh, those who are bold enough and are awake to speak out and try to convey information to the masses is less than 50 that I can even think of. So uh, around the entire country. So it's, uh, it's, it's not that they're not awake, but they aren't voicing that they are awake. So there could be some people who feel troubled, who can, who consider themselves bound as employees to hospitals to follow through with the mandates to preserve their livelihood for their families. Uh, it doesn't matter. Those excuses aren't any good. You know, your job is to preserve life and, uh, support life and hold true to your Hippocratic oath to do no harm. It is very obvious there's a lot of deception, what I consider criminal neglect in hospitals around this country. And they have to be aware that the one protocols that have been instilled since the beginning of this pandemic are creating massive amounts of tragedy, not benefit. Yeah. So back to the earlier line of thinking. Um, so you, you answered the question, gave some great advice on how to prevent being put under remdesivir, you know, kind of proactively citing things. But what do you do? Because I'm hearing this a lot from you know people commenting, talking to folks at these different events, and they're saying, "Look, my aunt was taken to the hospital, and they're putting her on remdesivir. What do I do?" So, what what do you say to those people who you know don't have the foresight or even the ability to have their family sign medical power attorney or anything like that ahead of time? What advice would you give them? Uh, they need to actually go to my site right away. For anybody in America and in Canada, I'm just going to speak to you real quick. Uh, you need to go to thedrartistshow.com, roll your, the little arrow, your little mouse, over the Get Help button, and there's a little window that drops down, and it says Contact Michelle Routon's Team. This is an advocacy team, nurse practitioners and medical doctors combined, who are actually representing all 50 states across the country speaking on behalf of individuals who have loved ones being treated with remdesivir, being vented to death against their will or against the wishes of the family. They now have representatives in Canada and they represent all 50 states here in America. You guys need help. You don't know what you're up against. You don't know how, you don't know the chain of commands of who to communicate with generally. And these guys are expert. Michelle Routon just has an incredible team. They've been advocating night and day nonstop for months on our behalf to help people around the entire continent. Okay. That's really helpful. I'll make sure that people get that. Cause that's probably one of the biggest questions I get. I'm sure you get it as well. You're going to be required. Yep. You're going to be required to hold what's called an ethics committee meeting, but most of you don't even know mm-hmm. what that means. So Michelle Routon's team now has an MD on staff as a part of the team that when they demand the hospital administrators and the attending doctors to come together with the family, either by zoom or in person at a hospital to discuss their loved one's care, they already have somebody on staff to handle those ethics committee meetings. Uh, you don't have okay. to go find doctors who are going to be open to it. They've already got them on staff. So uh, this has been our attempt to actually help as many people as possible. And there are other advocates. I'm just telling you, this is, this is the resource I selected to help as many people around this country right yeah. now. Great. So with the testing, right, the, the PCR test, is it accurate? Is there room for fudging? You mentioned that you, even if you come in with a broken toe, they're going to PCR test you. Is there any room for manipulation with that test? 
Uh, the PCR test is completely fraudulent. It should have never been used to diagnose respiratory viruses or any viruses at all. It doesn't differentiate between variants of respiratory viruses. It can't tell you if there's Omicron, Delta, Alpha, Lambda. It doesn't tell you that stuff. So I do not trust the PCR test uh, at all or its accuracy. Uh, I actually am convinced, 100% convinced, that they use this very uh, ineffective testing. Remember, this has never been used before in the history of medicine. It's a whole new test to determine a respiratory virus that the only the inventor of the machine said it's never been used, nor was it created to identify respiratory viruses or diagnose viral infections. I mean, come on. The guy who invented it says it doesn't even do that. So the PCR test, as defined, has a cycling threshold, and it's supposed to be cycled or remagnified, whatever samples put into the actual machine, it's designed to be sampled at 35 cycles. And Mollis said, the inventor said, if it goes above that cycle, if you go to 40, 45, you're going to get 99 to 100% all false positives. If you go below, so. if you go below that cycle, like to 25, you're going to get like 100% of false negatives. So basically, in, in layman terms, you're taking this, what are they looking at? Say it's, it's a piece of you know, some saliva or something out of your nose. And a cycle is almost like a zoom. So if they zoom in to say only 20 times, they're not going to get anything. If they zoom in to say 50 times, they're going to get 100% uh, positive for where they're testing for. So yeah. is it that basically the testing labs are, I mean, gosh, if they're running PC, if they're doing millions of PCR tests, they can just say, look, we need to have higher numbers in Florida. So let's cycle to 45 in Florida, yet we're going to cycle to 30 in Virginia. It's almost like it gives them full control over the case numbers, which they can then just feed to the media and push whatever narrative they want to. Is that how you understand it? Oh, yeah. The CDC has been constantly pumping out um, the respected and expected cycling thresholds on all PCR tests throughout the pandemic. So early on throughout the entire year of 2020, they told all clinics to actually test them at a cycle between 42 and 45 which would give you like 100% false positives per Mollus, the inventor. And then after they started pumping out the vaccines, the CDC then said, we need to reduce the threshold for all PCR testing nationwide down to 25. Now, why would you do that? That would give you a whole bunch of false negatives, like 100%. And I think that they it's obvious to those of us who are actually aware of what the CDC is doing, the FDA is doing, NIH is doing, what that was going to do was going to make it look like as they pumped out the vaccines into Americans, they were going to see all these PCR tests coming back negative, And they were going to be able to say that the vaccines were working. <laughs> That's what they were going to do. Look at all these false negatives now. Well, look at all these negative PCR tests. So uh, these aren't designed to look for viral infections. They, the PCR test is designed to look for genetic snippets of codes. But there's very, very small samples. And then the machine actually multiplies them out and actually magnifies them. Like, like you talked about, like with a microscope, you magnify it a thousand times. Now you see something. <laughs> if you go above 35 times, you said you're going to get false positives 90 to hundred percent of the time. You stay below 35, so, you're going to get false negative. What I've seen in the news lately is that they're going to be sending out, I think around half a billion at home tests that people can test themselves at home. They're going to be testing in schools and I'm also hearing that they're going to be retiring the PCR tests. There's a new new tests that are coming in, which I've heard that the, the company that's behind those new tests is owned by 
George Soros and Bill uh, Bill Gates. Do you so, know the name of the company? No. Oh, okay, just curious. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, I I, it starts with an R. I forget what it is. Maybe um, one of our readers would or you know viewers would know. Um, I'll look it but up. So, so what what do you see? I mean, if look if they're sending out half a million tests that are we going to see a massive wave of new cases? Of course you are going out. Yeah. Yeah. You're obviously going to see a whole lot of snout. to let you know. I didn't Sorry, and it's, it's half a billion, like half a billion, 500 million tests going out. Well, how, how many people even live in this country? What, what is it? Less than 330 million, million. 330 yeah. million. Why are they sending more tests than there are people to take the test? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that just doesn't even make any sense. If the government was worried about overspending, they should have just bought 330 million of them and then passed them out. But yeah. uh, yes, it's going to be very, uh, it's very obvious. I was in an actual event in Montana doing a presentation uh, a week and a half ago to a whole bunch of citizens and legislators. And one of the people walked up to me with a Blue Cross Blue Shield home COVID test kit. And she's like, Have you seen this yet? And I was like, uh, No, but. Awesome. She goes, I want you to have it. I want you to keep it. Maybe you can talk about it on your shows. I haven't even had time to go through that yet, but it's pretty disturbing that they're going to send out these PCR tests to every household. Uh, the goal, obviously, is to get more PCR tests run that they can manipulate and get positive, false positives, or false negatives. And they're going to sequence these, get them into every household so they can actually drive up and exaggerate the numbers again. This is all they've been doing from the beginning. It's very obvious to me, Seth Holhouse, the man in America. I'm so glad to be on your show. It's become very obvious of the things that are being promoted in the media, that there is a massive amount of people who are not complying with the vaccine campaign. Mm. And they are out on an all out assault to exaggerate numbers, create false positives. Look at all of the national professional sports. I mean, they shut down the NHL. Every person's been COVID vaccinated, supposedly. They shut down the whole season again and locked them down. The NBA is reporting hundreds of athletes now testing positive for COVID after getting the vaccines. And remember, they're only using PCR tests, which are not positive for COVID, nor do they ever identify a virus ever. So they're using these PCR tests. I promise you they're cycling on them high and they're going to shut down sports because they know people are watching sports, getting back to some sense of normalcy again. And this mm. is a threat to their vaccine campaign and agenda. So they are going to amp up the cycle of the PCR test, which it was alluded to by the CDC. They were going to be doing away with this. You know, we're going to be doing away with this by the end of 2021. Really? Uh, you're now mass PCR testing everybody around the country and sending home kits to all of them? Uh, no, this I wouldn't trust any part of this entire campaign. So they're not, I guess they're not recalling the PCR tests in, right? So they're still... So these these half a billion new tests, those are those are not some new form of a test. Those are the same PCR tests. Is that correct? Yeah, I have not been notified, nor have I seen any documentation that there's any type of new testing coming. Still a PCR I see. test. Now, I, see. I haven't seen it. I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. I study so much around health, prevention, and then the hospital protocols. That's all I really am mostly concerned about and devote most of my so time. I think that, you know, based upon your earlier message that, Right now is the time for those of you that are watching. Right now is the time for you, your family, anybody you can get to listen to download these documents, get them notarized, because we might see a huge amount of people getting positive tests for COVID 
in the coming months. And I think a lot of people might think, oh my gosh, I, you know, I've tested positive. I've had the sniffles, right? The Omicron is it's, wow, it's just like the seasonal, you know, the, the seasonal cold. I've got sniffles and a sore throat. Um, let me get tested. So we might see a lot of people flooding into the hospitals to get treatment, which might end up being, you know, all they need to create a new fear pit campaign. And if they're using those remdesivir protocols on the people that aren't prepared, that's a, that's a bad, that's a bad mix. So folks that are watching, please go to Dr. Artis's website after the show, uh, create an account, download those documents, fill them out for you, your family, uh, give them to your friends. It's, it's really, really important because we might see a big wave as you're talking about Dr. Artis, a big attack, a big next wave coming for us. Oh, there's going to be lockdowns, mandates, and more push for more vaccines and boosters. And I want everybody to be aware uh, the, the vaccines themselves, Pfizer and Moderna, both of these companies have advertised to both the FDA and IH, CDC, and mass media that their immunity to COVID-19 is only showing up effective for upwards of six months at most. So they're promoting booster shots every six months, but they're telling you their immunity from the vaccine is only lasting six months. The Johnson & Johnson shot two weeks ago, they disclosed to the media and to our federal health agencies, their immunity to their one shot was only lasting at most two months. I have to tell you right now, the European Journal of Immunology, it's just one of the 141 studies at brownstone.org that prove natural immunity is far superior to COVID-19 vaccine immunity. There's a whole compiled list, 141 studies. There's one from the European Journal of Immunology. It was published September 27th, 2021. They already determined that they found robust natural antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 and the Delta variant and any other variants 13 months after the original infection. Natural immunity. Now, Seth, and for your audience, that one study, which concluded in September, they already found at that point they could determine robust immunity was found in people that got the infection upwards of 13 months earlier. That is twice as long as the Pfizer's declared six-month immunity and Moderna's six-month immunity. Natural immunity is already proven in just these two years of the pandemic to already be twice as good and long-lasting as Pfizer and Moderna. And it's actually six times better than the Johnson & Johnson's suggested wow. immunity. Natural well, immunity is far superior. But natural immunity ha it has a major problem. You can't make money off of it. I thought we were trying to save lives. I didn't know we were trying to make money. <laughs> I thought the whole thing was to stop people from dying. I didn't know it was about money. Wow. You're right. Yeah, you'd think. You would think. Um, yeah, you would think. Um, one of the questions I get, actually, I have friends and family that they got the first vaccine, even that they got their second you know, vaccine. They thought it was the right thing to do. They thought it meant no more lockdowns, no mask wearing. They're now coming around and saying, look, I, I'm seeing through it now. I'm, I'm still being forced to wear a mask. I still have to social distance. What's up with this? Now they're starting to research a little bit or they're having some health issues. So one of the biggest questions I'm getting is if I've already gotten the vaccine, and I'm experiencing injuries, how can I heal myself? So what kind of protocols would you recommend for folks that either got the vaccine already or have friends or family they live with that have got the vaccine and they're concerned about shedding, spike protein shedding? Yeah, great question. So let's just talk about the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. 
the same amount of harm and disease that can be created by the spike proteins that your own body is going to create as a result of the vaccines and those antibodies and the spike proteins you will shed onto others because that is supposedly how these shots have been designed. The actual spike protein and the virus associated with SARS-CoV-2 and these mRNA shots and transgene shots of Johnson & Johnson, they all start disease processes of harm through a chemical reaction called oxidative stress. And I have actually compiled a list of four natural substances that are proven to be antioxidants that, that actually protect all cells in the body as much as possible against the oxidative stress disease-causing effects of SARS-CoV-2, other common cold viruses like coronaviruses, spike proteins, poisons. There are poisonous chemicals in these shots like polyethylene glycol. That's a substrate of antifreeze. I don't know why anybody needs antifreeze injected in their body. And then polysorbate 80s in the Johnson & Johnson shot. This has been proven to punch holes in the blood-brain barrier to get the ingredients in the shots to get into your brain to cause neurological damage. That's the only reason polysorbate 80 is in any vaccines of any kind. And it's in a whole bunch of childhood vaccines too. So these chemicals need to be drawn out of the body for those who've actually gotten the shot. So there's actually what I call the disease prevention cocktail. It's on my site at the resources page. I'm not treating any diseases. I'm just telling you oxidative stress is the actual first thing that causes trauma to a cell of any organ in your body that then leads to diseases of all kinds. The spike proteins, SARS-CoV-2, they cause oxidative stress. Poisons cause oxidative stress. Four things, vitamin C at 5,000 milligrams minimum, uh, magnesium at 500 milligrams minimum, selenium at 200 micrograms minimum every day, and then apple pectin powder at 700 milligrams twice a day. These four nutrients are a part of what I call the disease prevention cocktail. It is my efforts as a chiropractor, acupuncturist, nutritionist, with my skills and clinical knowledge and research for the last 20 years, what I could offer at best to help provide these individuals who have been coerced, bullied, or put in fear to volunteer to get these shots. It doesn't matter your reasoning. I don't judge you for it. And there's a lot of reasons why people are getting these. Please consider doing those things at best to thwart the agenda. The American Heart Association published on November 8th in their circulation journal that the mRNA vaccines dramatically increase inflammation of heart tissue, leading to increased blood clots, heart disease, and other vascular events like strokes and heart attacks. That's the mRNA shots. And that's the only one they're giving all kids 5 to 11 and 12 to 18 in this country. So, yes, there's severe worry that I have over the implications of getting these shots long term. So you better be putting something into your body that provides protection to all cells. The only way you do that is by putting things that provide antioxidant protection. And those four nutrients I just gave you are on that disease prevention cocktail found on the resources page at my site. Uh, The hope is these things will provide natural immunity. I actually put more faith, Seth, in the human body and the natural immunity God put inside of us than anything man creates and tries to inject in us or convince us. It makes this God's creation better. Uh, magnesium, selenium are two metals found in the soil. Who created the earth? I believe God did. And those those minerals are actually drawn up into our plants. That's where we get magnesium and selenium from. Vitamin C is produced from the minerals we draw up from the soil in our plants. Combined with sunlight and oxygen, it then produces vitamins like vitamin C. And then apple pectin powder is from apples. 
I couldn't think of a better compilation of four things God put on this earth that the human body knows how to use without detrimental side effects to put in to help produce antioxidant protection. And on that resources page, the disease prevention cocktail, I have doses for children, teenagers, and adults for those who want to consider it. So basically an apple a day keeps the vaccine shedding away. Oh, there you go, baby. I love it. And when did that change anyway, Seth? When we were growing up, you actually saw it advertised that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Since when did it become that a baby aspirin every day protects you from heart disease? When did it ever become that a vaccine today is going to save you and keep you away from the doctor? Uh, It's amazing just how far the pharmaceutical industry and the American medical complex has taken us from the absolute awareness that food is essential to keeping us healthy to now only selling you the idea that man-made pharmaceuticals are going to keep you healthy. Wasn't it uh, Socrates, right, who said, let thy food be thy medicine? It is. That is what he said. Socrates, or no, sorry, Hippocrates said that. Hippocrates, I think, said that. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, there was a much more brilliant philosopher than me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. From a long time ago that said these things. A long time ago, yep. Something I want to ask you about is, is while watching the interview with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and Joe Rogan, they, you know, uh, Peter was talking about basically a discrimination against for, for people getting medical treatment that some people based upon whether they're, their ethnicity, like if they were a white male, for instance, they weren't given uh, monoclonal antibody treatment, or if they were unvaccinated, they were given different treatments. Are you seeing this at the hospital level as well as another way of pushing a certain agenda or outcome with these treatments? Yes, it has already been reported to us multiple times of people going into hospitals and the treatments for those who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated are completely different. The outcomes are very different also. Uh, So uh, we've got people reporting to us as nurses in hospitals, doctors in hospitals from around the country are telling us they're actually using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in the vaccinated, (laughs) not the unvaccinated, which is uh, very disturbing. Why would you do that? So yes, this has been reported to us. I have never worked in a hospital. I've just experienced being in a hospital and I have tons of doctors around the country that do work in hospitals and nurses who are reporting this as very, as very truthful facts that you're reporting. So am I right in understanding this, that the you know, treatment, say ivermectin, for instance, which Joe Rogan got completely destroyed by the media over talking about as a you know, horse dewormer and all that, that people going in to be treated, that the unvaccinated are given remdesivir protocol that would potentially kill them, leading to a higher amount of unvaccinated deaths, which pushes forward the narrative that it's the people that are unvaccinated that are filling up the hospitals, whereas the vaccinated are given ivermectin a drug which, again, has been demonized for most people to even think about taking, and they're the ones that are being cured. Is that really what what people are seeing happen? That is really what people are reporting and seeing happening, yes. And it is very disturbing. And a couple of things that have actually been more disturbing to me is that we have had nurses on COVID units around the country report to us that they were told by their administrators to go around the vaccinated COVID unit area, those people who are vaccinated, and actually erase on their charts the words vaccinated and replace it with unknown, the word unknown. Isn't that weird? Why would you do that? This, is, to, this is actually to promote in the media that uh, the majority of people coming into hospitals are unvaccinated. We're being flooded with unvaccinated. Uh, there is no report of vaccinated. Why? Because they're changing the charts. So, uh, yes, it is very disturbing. They're trying to push a narrative that those who are unvaccinated are perpetuating the pandemic 
It's pretty disgusting that on the FDA's October 26th document where they said it's time to give all these shots to five and five to 11 year old children. They said from August of 2021 until October 26th of 2021, that 40% of the entire new cases from that period over those two months or three months, they actually blamed on the asymptomatic unvaccinated children in America. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me just tell you how disgusting that is. Do you know that they tell people that when they do have symptoms and they're coughing and sneezing, they teach kids to sneeze into their elbow, right? Don't sneeze out into the air to get other people sick. Sneezing, coughing, fever, sweats, these are symptoms of being sick. And we we know from a public health standpoint that when people are sick, you take precautions from spreading the infection to other people through coughing, sneezing, breathing, boogers, snot, whatever. Don't touch things. Makes sense. You know what I mean? This is what they tell you. They absolutely said 40% of all new cases of the pandemic from August till October 26th, they were blaming on the asymptomatic, which means the kids that have no symptoms. Now, Seth, if they have no symptoms, they're not coughing. They're not sneezing. They're not snot running, running their hands all over people. There's no way they're spreading this. They don't have any symptoms to spread. So to blame 40% of all new cases on unvaccinated children is egregious and to me, medically unethical and criminal. It goes against all basic medical awareness. Golly. Yeah, I, I, I think that if you're a parent watching this, just if you can pull your kid out of public school. You know, not to mention the fact that, as you said, that they're parking vaccination vans in the parking lot. So I'm sure they're giving them candy and cookies as they go get their shot in the parking lot with their teacher leaving them along the way. They're incentivizing them, and it's ridiculous. My goodness. You, and, if, and if you're unaware that they're doing this, at least if it is a concern for you, please tell your kid to say no. They can say no. You just need to make sure they're aware that this possibly could happen. It's already happening in a whole bunch of states here in the country. Hospital systems are sending vaccine units, mobile units, to the parking lots of elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools right now, and colleges. And See, walking as a kid, the number one lesson I was taught is don't take candy from a stranger in a van oh in the parking goodness. lot. And here you have kids being led by their teachers to get a, a vaccine in exchange for a cookie. So I hope I hope that parents can really take that seriously uh, because that's. That's, yeah, that's, that's terrible for our next generation. I mean, even um, when, you're, when you're not around your kid, you've always taught your kids, my parents did, if someone pulls up in a van, asks you to get in, they tell you to run and scream. That's giving them information of what to do when you're not present. You should absolutely tell your kids the same thing. If your teachers start walking you out to a parking lot and they're going to be giving COVID-19 shots, you just run away screaming. No, you're not going to do it. It's the I least you can well, do. Um, so very soon, we're going to hop on over to Rise TV to do some Q&A with the audience there. Uh, but before that, I, I want to ask you a question. I might be putting you on a spot a little bit with this. When we were at the Dallas dinner, you were speaking at the, at the beginning of the evening, and you were talking about the different reasons why folks have entered into this battle and what you shared about why you're doing what you're doing and the feeling you wake up with every day, I thought was quite telling. And I wanted to see if you'd be willing to share that with our audience. Sure. I might start crying, but yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you want me to share it now? Yes. 
All right. My thing's freezing a little bit. I'll just all right, so when we were all together here in the Dallas, uh, in my home in Dallas, I had a whole bunch of people that are a part of this movement. Is this still frozen? Uh, now it's it looks frozen. like coming through. Yep, now, now you're looking good. Okay, good. Sorry about that technological stuff. I don't, I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> I, I can hear like you okay. It's frozen on mine. The video is a little bit choppy, but now... Now it's looking okay. How's it look now? <laughs> Pretty good. It looks delayed or something. All right. So I'm just going to go ahead and relate what it was. So I actually just stated to a whole group of people that were there, including you, Seth, that the whole reason why I got into it was to protect as many lives as possible. Uh, I wanted to actually protect people from harm. And it has really been this overwhelming feeling every day waking up for the last year and a half that there are millions of people around the world that I need to protect, that I need to warn, and I need to inspire. And I wake up with that every day. So uh, that's exactly how I feel. And to have all these people in our home, we had about 70 people there who are all doing the same thing in their different spheres, trying to protect and preserve the lives and liberties of millions of people around the world. I just took a moment to thank them all for allowing me to be a part of that with them. Uh, it was a beautiful night. It's, there's been very few nights like that in the last two years where I felt love, kindness and humility on behalf of all of humanity. And uh, that was a great, great evening. And I just had to thank everybody for their efforts to try to protect people the way I feel in my heart I'm supposed to do every day. Well, thank you for sharing what you did. And also just in general, thank you for everything you're doing. I know you've probably, your life has probably taken a very hard uh, turn in one direction as you've taken on this mission of gaining this information out there, but I can tell you that, especially looking at how these protocols are working uh, and the stories that I've heard from people, even at these Reawaken America tours where folks are coming up and I'm asking them and say, actually, it was, it was Dr. Artis that helped me pull my husband out of the ER, out of the ICU and, um, and, and basically save his life from this. So I think that you're doing really, really important uh, things with, with everything. So thank you for that. Uh, so, folks, we are now going to hop on over to Rise TV. It's been a, a very fun hour so far. And, and over what we do is on Rise TV, we do a Q&A where you can ask some more of your questions, a little more intimate of a setting. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with Rise TV, look, the reality is, is that I've got two options in life. If I want to do this full time, A, I can sit around and wait for handouts from President Biden while stealing from your tax dollars and hope that I can disclaim unemployment while I'm doing this, doing this out of home. The other thing is trying to build a business that allows me to do this full-time, allows other patriots to do this full-time, and that's what Rise TV is. So Rise TV is a platform that I've built with other patriots that's allowing us to spend the entirety of our lives, my wife and I full-time and many others, working full-time to bring this kind of information to the public. As you see, I try my best to put as much possible into the public on Rumble so you can watch this, but if you want to support, you want to join, uh, you can come on over. We do Q&As. We have a massive library of content. We've done deep dives into anything and everything you can imagine. The, the, the deep state, the CIA, um, you know, organ harvesting, human trafficking, everything. So there's a huge library of content. We do live shows multiple times a week. And it's just a great place to interact with other, other fellow patriots. And you get to ask people like Dr. Artis your personal questions. So we're going to go ahead and shut down the Rumble stream hop on over to Rise TV. If you want to try it out, there is a link in the description. You get a free trial. Come check it out. If you like it, I hope you stay. 
uh, and we'll see you over there on Rise TV. So thanks for all of you have, who have come on uh, via Rumble. And Kate, just let me know once we're good. Okay, so we're good. So now we are over on Rise TV. They pull up my uh, the hi, questions Kate. here. So <laughs> Kate Bryan says hi. She's waving at you over there. Uh, Kate, now we're on Rise. You, you can you can pop in to say hello if you'd like to. Everyone loves hearing your accent. You're doing a great job, Kate. No, I can't hear you yet. Oh, is that is that okay? Can you hear her, Brian? I can hear you. Hi, Kate. Hi, How Brian. are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing hey, great. Rise. Hello, Rise. <laughs> Hello, Rise. All arise. All rise. Yeah, we had to we had to rise up as uh, as as humankind to overcome this dark threat. But we will win. How's the chickens, Kate? Chickens are awesome, producing lots of eggs. <laughs> yeah, we're making egg everything. Egg everything. <laughs> yeah. yep. Have you have you put a link on your uh, website yet, or on your podcast for buying eggs, so people know where to come get them? <laughs> no, not, yet. <laughs> not yet. We haven't we haven't really got into that into the business yet. So, <laughs> well, if, when you're ready to do some like affiliated sponsorship, the Doctor Artist Show would like to have a link to your chicken coop. <laughs> yeah sure yeah we, we, we can, can surely we can sell our 10 eggs a day we can do some <laughs> yeah. rev share yeah that'd be great there we go <laughs> sounds good all right so um uh yeah, everyone on rise tv thank you so much for being part of rise tv if you're new and this is your first time you know, joining let me know i'd love to give you a special shout out if you have questions for dr artists please please just write question in the uh in your your comment and we've got uh, Dom and Marco helping out. So we're, we're putting these little questions in and um, we're going to answer them for you. So, uh, so, okay, first question for you, Dr. Artis, is this is from Metal Avenger who says, I've heard hospitals get paid 39000 for each patient that's diagnosed as a COVID death. Is that true? Yes. There you go. We're going to be able to get through a whole bunch of questions. All right, that's, that's an easy so, one. so hospitals are getting... Because I, I had heard that they get, I, I forget how much, they get a certain amount of money for anybody who gets put onto a ventilator, and they get uh, even more if that person dies with a COVID on their death certificate. Yep. So if they, they actually incentivize coroners with a bonus payout, if they actually write down COVID-19 is the cause of death, the hospitals, if they write down COVID-19, are getting a bonus payout. Uh, they are actually getting incentivized to use remdesivir in venting people. The vent alone can be up to 39000 for a five or 10-day stint. Uh, and then remdesivir is $3,400 on average for five days. They can do up to 10 days. And then Medicare is paying a 20% bonus on top of that. It's actually been said to me by many doctors and hospitals that uh, around the country right now, serving COVID units, that they're seeing insurance claims upwards of 100000 per COVID-19 deaths treated in, in hospitals. My goodness. Wow. Um so another question, have you seen the, the information coming out about the new Walter Reed vaccine? No, I haven't seen that. Okay. So that, that's, that's a different, different conversation. It's just basically, it's like a military developed vaccine. That's uh, to me, it's a little bit suspicious, but <laughs> that's, that's it. I wouldn't um, trust any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Um, here, the good question is, is it true that, are you familiar with whether or not they're accepting vaccinated people at blood, blank, at blood banks? All right. So great question. So I actually did a whole show with Stu Peters about this uh, about three months ago, probably uh, when he asked me about this blood supply issues and concerns. The Red Cross, last I saw, which was like a month and a half ago, 
last I was on the Red Cross's website, uh, they actually still at that point were not accepting COVID-19 vaccinated individuals convalescent plasma. They were accepting blood, but they were not accepting convalescent plasma. Now, this is important. Uh, Most people don't even know what convalescent plasma is. But convalescent plasma is the only part of the blood that contains antibodies against an infection. So if the vaccines are being injected to all Americans to try to get your body to produce antibodies to protect it against future variants of COVID-19, why is the Red Cross not accepting your plasma? That is the only plasma that supposedly has this super armor of protection from the COVID-19 vaccines. I think everyone should ask yourselves, why is the Red Cross not accepting convalescent plasma from COVID-19 vaccinated Americans? That's the only part of the blood that maintains antibodies against COVID-19. Wouldn't you think if the COVID-19 vaccines were so effective, don't you think it would be the COVID-19 vaccinated blood and their plasma that you would want you would to be think transfusing so. into other people? You'd think it'd be liquid gold. Yeah, you would think so. So go look at redcross.org. Go look, go look it up yourself. They do not accept, last I saw, convalescent plasma from COVID-19 vaccinated people. I'm going to highlight this comment with Femi Smile from Scott Monson. who says, they kicked me out of the blood bank because I wouldn't wear a mask. <laughs> good for you, Scott. Very good, buddy. Very good. Um, so uh, Daniel Stair, he says, can you tell us about the accuracy of hospital reporting of COVID vaccine adverse reactions and if and how that information is being hidden from the public? So are you seeing, um, great question, are you seeing any evidence that they're not reporting to VAERS or they're, uh, they're skewing that information? Because I think it was uh, Peter McCullough who said that the VAERS data is only a fraction of what he believes to be correct. Great question. So uh, I've talked about this nonstop since the vaccine started coming out, that the reporting will never be accurate through the VAERS system, V-A-E-R-S dot org or dot gov, whatever it is. So VAERS is a reporting system into the Department of Health and Human Services. They also share a second database with the CDC called WONDER, but this is voluntary voluntary reporting of observed or experienced vaccine injuries. It's voluntary, which means you don't have to report it. Uh, I just want to state this for everybody. Peter McCullough does reference that. I have a problem every time he quotes VAERS data, by the way, because it's so inaccurate, (laughs) but... Harvard did a review. The, the University of Harvard conducted a study in 2010 on the VAERS system. And they reported to the CDC after their three-year review that less than 1% of all vaccine injuries get reported to VAERS. And at the end of the three years, and they disclosed in their publication, which I have downloaded on my computer, that what they found was the most common reason why reporting wasn't being placed online to VAERS. Number one reason, doctors didn't even know that system existed. Number two, doctors said it was dual reporting because they had to write it in their notes in their file, and then they would have to go sit down at a computer and rewrite it all again and report it to VAERS. So it gets in the way of their clinical flow of the office every day. Those are the two most common reasons why VAERS isn't reporting. Well, I can only imagine right now, Seth, if, if before COVID-19, hospitals and doctors were so flooded with people that it got in the way of their workflow to report VAERS, mm. and less than 1% of all vaccine injuries were being reported, 
I really, really bet it's the same thing right now, probably on a worse scale. So I've said literally for the last year, every VAERS data point that they put out, you can actually add two zeros to that number because 99% of all vaccine injuries are not reported to VAERS. What What would be more accurate to review is CMS data, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, because as that age Which, group, isn't that what uh, Thomas Renz has done? Is that where he's been looking? Yeah. If you want to look at the CMS data, go to Renz-Law.com. So right R-E-N-Z now. R-E-N-Z-Law. R-E-N-Z-Law.com. Uh, I just want you to know that right now it's reported by VAERS. Go to openvares.com. It'll actually show you that 21,000 plus have been reported deaths since getting the COVID-19 injections. You know what the CMS total right now is? Just for Medicare-aged people within 14 days of getting the second Pfizer or Moderna shot or the one Johnson & Johnson shot? CMS data is not voluntary, by the way. It's whatever the doctors put in as they're seeing their Medicare-aged patients. It automatically gets uploaded into Mm -hmm. CMS data. And doctors will go to prison if they report things fraudulent to CMS. Mm -hmm. It is not voluntary. It's completely different. It is right now already over 50,000 dead Medicare AIDS patients within 14 days of getting the COVID-19 shots has been updated to CMS data right now. That is two and a half times what's being reported by VAERS. So that's only 14 days post the shots. We're not talking about three weeks after the shots, four weeks after the shots, which is the concerns Dr. Peter McCullough as a cardiologist and an epidemiologist is concerned about. I share the same concerns. Heart damage is being caused by these vaccines, and you never know when the heart's going to fail from the trauma that's begun by these mRNA shots. But it is confirmed they do that. Gosh. Here's another very good question from Metal Avenger. He's saying they want us to get a new booster every six months, which means that people who didn't take the latest booster will now be considered unvaxxed. Do you think they're doing that as a cover-up to blame deaths again on the unvaxxed? All right, so read that question again. Well, basically, so what they're saying is that if you don't have your most recent booster, you're going to be counted as unvaccinated. So even if you have three boosters, if you don't have, or if you have three shots, if you don't have your fourth one, you're now unvaxxed. So do you think that that's another uh, scheme to increase the numbers of unvaxxed people, of unvaxxed yes. deaths? By far, that is a way to convince people that the unvaxxed are getting sick. Uh, right now, it's really disgusting. I gave you the CMS data within the first 14 days of getting the shots. This is the first time in history that our federal government and health agencies like the FDA, CDC, and NIH have actually said and printed that people who got both COVID shots for Pfizer and Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson shots, once they got the second dose of Pfizer and Moderna and the one Johnson & Johnson, they actually consider you unvaccinated for the first 14 days after the shots. But 50% of all the deaths occur in the first 48 hours after the shots. But they consider those people unvaccinated. 80% of the total deaths occurs in the first seven days. So if you don't realize the massive amount of dishonesty that's being perpetuated to throw out statistics, this is one of the major disgusting things. Never before have they ever said after receiving a vaccine, you're not vaccinated or considered vaccinated for X period of time afterwards. They knew the majority of deaths would occur in the first two weeks. And so they 
skewed that by saying they're unvaccinated. And so those people in the first 14 days who went to the hospital after getting the shots were actually marked on their charts as unvaccinated. And then they died. And then guess what they told you in the media? Those dying in hospitals are unvaxxed. And they actually got the vaccines. So ridiculous. We we thought the election fraud and the election theft was worrying and, and wide you know widespread. This this makes that look like you know someone stole a you know a toothbrush from the dollar store. I and mean, this is what they're doing with the lying and manipulation of data globally is just mind boggling. Actually, so Wire Guy who gave us a ten dollar tip, which thank you Wire Guy, asked a question which I think is one of the most important questions to ask. Why do you think they are doing this? Wire Guy asked that. Yes, that's from Wire Guy. Wire Guy, thanks for donating to Seth Whole House. He'll probably be able to buy another chicken. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> more chicken, more eggs. All right, so why are they doing this? Uh, there's really only one reason I can even conceive why it is so many people would turn a blind eye to the obvious evidence of so much death and harm coming from these shots from the short period of time we're looking at, which is like a year now. Uh, the only reason why is because you've got people at the heads of these institutions and in the media who obviously don't give a crap about your life or anybody else's. It's a total disregard for humanity. There's only one assertion that can be taken from the fact that we have so much data on so many topics of health. It's actually been confirmed that possibly 93% of all vaccinated pregnant women have lost their baby in the U.S., in the first month after getting the shots, uh, 80% high or higher has been confirmed in Canada. Also in Europe, over 91% in Europe, miscarriages after vaccines. The amount of death, hearts being stopped and damaged by these shots, the amount of miscarriage and infertility and sterilization being created, there is really only one agenda. It's obviously to kill and infertilize and sterilize a lot of people. If you want to call that depopulation, you can call it that. I call it murder. I call it genocide. It's what it is. You're mass murdering a lot of people and babies in utero, and you're doing it and you don't care. What are their reasonings? Uh, they, they must not have a conscience for one. I hear people talking about can't even be yeah. human. And I'm like, well, there is a part that says, how can you conceive that you would be okay injecting these into children when you know it's causing heart disease in adults yeah. and teenagers already? Why would you ever do that? And then why would you ever go behind the backs of parents and be okay to mobilize units into parking lots and march kids five years old into a parking lot and get them to sign an informed consent form that they understand all the risks and benefits of those shots before you give them a shot? Five-year-olds. Uh, it's obviously they, they have total disregard for humanity or life. They obviously want to hurt, kill, maim a whole lot of people. That's the whole agenda. Yeah, it's the only gosh. agenda. Listen, it's the only it makes sense. Listen, right? listen, the vaccines printed by the FDA on their own fact sheets, F-A-C-T, sheets. Look them up. Go search it on any search engine. Type in FDA.gov fact sheet COVID-19 Johnson & Johnson shot or Pfizer or Moderna. Just type it in. Every single one of these shots actually says in print from the FDA that none of these shots prevent you from getting COVID-19 and they don't stop you from transmitting it to somebody else. Really, you keep saying in the media, the only way to stop the pandemic, which would be spreading the virus to other people, is to vaccinate them. Why on your own document does it say these don't prevent you from getting COVID and they don't stop you from transmitting it? I thought that was the whole purpose of the vaccine. 
It's disgusting. What <laughs> other think. reasoning would there be to push these on everybody then? You tell me. Yeah. That's a, that's a deep one. Actually, we've done on Rise TV a lot of deep dives into the the you know, deep state depopulation agendas, eugenics, and you enter into a very twisted world trying to understand the people that are behind these things. And it's not something that the common person that has a conscience can even fathom. It's hard to even fathom that kind of evil existing. It is pure evil. It is. So here's a, a question. This is from Screen uh, Screen Abominable, which is a fun, fun name. Do the tests have any chemicals or whatever that may be harmful to people? Which I, I've, we're seeing that, that the actual the tests themselves had chemicals on them that when you're sticking them up into your brain or leaving something on it that's not good. Have you heard about that? Yeah, there's been reports that they found ethylene oxide on the actual PCR swabs. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm doing research into this right now. I actually believe the PCR tests are what are continuing to create the pandemic. Really? I actually, yep. I'm kind of worried to say it out loud right now, but uh, I'm very convinced that they have laced the actual PCR swabs, which is why they're shipping it into all of your homes to make a whole lot of people sick and to continue to perpetuate this. And it ain't SARS-CoV-2. It ain't a spike protein. I'm convinced they put something else on those PCR tests and I'm going to find out. But, uh, but I'm convinced that there is an actual poison wow. on those PCR swabs. And when they insert it into your nose and insert it into your mouth, those actual poisons are known to cause cranial nerve damage that leads to loss of taste and loss of smell. And I'm convinced I, I've met very few people yet. There might be true for some in your audience, but I've met very few who actually didn't lose the, who only very few who lost their sense of taste and smell before they were PCR tested. Interesting. I have one request for you. When you discover that information, call me before Stu Peters. All right. <laughs> Okay, I'll do it. I'll call you for <laughs> Stu Peters. You know, it's funny. I actually thought I should go do that with Stu Peters. I bet you Stu would love that. We've done lots of stuff <laughs> together, me and Stu, but this actual information will probably go out somewhere else. And then I would love to come on your show and do it again. But uh, uh, there's <laughs> a ton of evil right now going on. And uh, it's very, very disgusting to me. It is. It is. Um, so here's a, a good question. This is from Chicken Coop Lady, who. Actually, is a woman I met in person out in Texas that also was a chicken cooper. And we, we bonded and she joined Rise TV and she made her name Chicken Coop Lady. So I'd recognize her and remember who she is. Uh, great question, actually. This is one I hear a lot. She says, does the J&J shot have mRNA? mRNA. Sorry, there's a little typo there. And of the different vaccines, which is the least harmful? Which would you recommend for someone who has to keep their job? Um, all right. So great question. Chicken coop lady. Uh, number one, I don't trust any of the vaccines and nobody should get any of them. Johnson and Johnson. It does not have MRNA in it. It has what is called a transgene. MRNA is just a single strand of a small gene sequence. That's going to insert itself into your own DNA. The transgene inside of the Johnson and Johnson shot is actually a double stranded DNA sequence or snippet of gene that will also eventually do the same thing that mRNA does in the mRNA shots. I actually believe that when the CDC came out last week and said they do not encourage or support Johnson and Johnson's vaccine as much as they do the two mRNA shots, this is significant. 
y'all all should pay attention to why the CDC would say that or why the NIH or FDA is going to back this. Uh, I think they've actually learned that the mRNA vaccines are accomplishing the agenda better than the Johnson & Johnson shot. We've already talked about that. Uh, what is my idea of what the agenda is? It's obviously to mass murder a whole lot of people. I think they have figured out that the Johnson & Johnson is the least effective at doing that, at least in the short term. And they're only going to promote the mRNA shots, which are proven per the American Heart Association to cause a dramatic increase in heart inflammation immediately following the vaccine. And if you want and to so kill, that's, and if you want to kill a bunch of people, which organ do you need to stop, Seth? Not the liver. Not the liver. Not the, it's the heart. It's the heart. So is that why we're seeing these soccer players collapsing? Yes. And is it is it myocarditis, just inflammation yeah. of the heart? Is that what that is? It is myocarditis. And my, myocarditis, by definition, is inflammation of heart muscle, which is an actual underlying symptom and sign of congestive heart failure. And these people's hearts are stopping, these young athletes all over the country. We've got hundreds of soccer players, professional and university, who have died this year. More than ever in history that we remember, any data point ever. Uh, we've got pilots in the hundreds who died this year alone uh, that were either retired or current pilots. It's just an amazing scenario. And uh, it's horrific. It is absolutely, I will say this right now. There's a journal called the Cardiovascular Toxicology Journal. And they published in October of this year their findings on the drug called remdesivir being used in hospitals to treat COVID-19. The Cardiovascular Toxicology Journal published their findings that remdesivir damages the mitochondria inside the cells of heart muscles called cardiomyocytes and can cause cardiac arrest and heart disease and heart failure and heart block. That's what remdesivir does. The American Heart Association, the very next month, November 8th, publishes that the mRNA vaccines directly cause inflammation of heart muscle called myocarditis. It causes blood clots. These two drugs that are being offered as the only solution for this pandemic both target and are published to cause heart disease. You don't see the agenda. It is designed to create damage and stop the hearts of millions. Which we're seeing, unfortunately, the beginnings of this. Yep. Um, Dr. Artis, how are you doing on time? We've been almost an hour and a half. And I know you're a busy man. Uh, well, it depends on how many people are texting me trying to get me on a thing. I think I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we've got a lot of questions, but you tell me exactly when you have to cut off and... Um, I'll, I'll try to get these questions in. We'll try to kind of go through them quickly. All right, so, let, so let's go out. for another 14 minutes. I'll go through two. I'll go to 240 Central Time. Perfect. And then, okay. And then, and then I'm going to have lunch. All right. Good for you. <laughs> so that my um, heart will stop. Exactly. Well, I recommend uh, bacon and steak for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like those. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Metal Avenger has had some great questions. Can people get aggressive or lose their mind from the jab? A friend that got a friend of mine got super aggressive after getting the booster. She almost seemed possessed. Yes, we have seen and experienced actually people go into like uh, I think the term is agoraphobia, like going outside and being scared of being around other people. If I'm right about that, but they don't want to go outdoors anymore. They have severe anxiety, panic, stress since getting the shots and the boosters. Uh, we've seen. Uh, dementia occur where it never existed before, where you're losing your ability to recall information. Uh, these actual shots produce spike proteins and antibodies that the Salk Institute 
figured out early on about a year ago that the spike proteins by themselves that are on the SARS-CoV-2 virus or that are going to come from the vaccines cause neurological damage just as one tissue out of 28 different tissues in the human body. So yeah, you'll see an array of those things. I actually think if you're seeing a lot of emotional triggers, these actual spike proteins damage your thyroid, your pituitary, and your adrenals and your ovaries. These are your hormone-producing organs. Cortisol, which is your panic, anxiety, anger hormone that comes from your adrenals. I wouldn't be surprised if the spike proteins are damaging the adrenals, releasing a ton of cortisol, and then it's imbalancing your serotonin levels, which is your feel-good, happy hormones. And then you're going to see emotional changes and disturbances as a result. Mm. Yes, I've seen that report. I've seen personalities completely change. I've seen the ability to recall information completely change in my own personal life with people I have in my families. Wow. Good, my goodness. Um, okay, here's a, a question from Cosmic Think. Could you please explain the difference between terrain and germ theories and how this applies to COVID in 30 seconds? <laughs> you know, someone brought up terrain yesterday and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so <laughs> so this I haven't even had time to look at that. Okay, so the germ theory is one thing. So I'm just going to speak to answer this question. There's somebody I admire and have loved for over 20 years studying, and that is the work of a scientist named Dr. Royal Rife. Actually, he may not have been a doctor. Royal Rife, R-I-F-E. He did not share the same view as Louis Pasteur that there were germs out there that actually got into our bodies and make us sick. If the terrain theory is right, which I haven't looked at yet, by definition, if it's what I'm about to say, I can't speak on it. Royal Rife disclosed that actually there is no germs. There's no bacteria or viruses that we actually take into our body to infect us or become contagious. The actual human body's own cells, based on their own internal environment of the human body, its pH, its hormonal experience, its emotional experience, your own cells differentiate into pathogens of bacteria and viruses. And then when you come out of those emotional states or acidic or alkaline states, Internally, the cells return back to normal, healthy, functioning cells. So if that's what terrain is, I've actually said nonstop. I'm really pretty sure this is what they are referencing. I just haven't heard the word terrain personally. Mm. However, I have said nonstop, if you want the pandemic to end, all you got to do is turn off your TVs and your radios. Yeah. And, the, and the reason being, if you removed the fear that people are being exposed to 24-7, Fear changes the chemical makeup of your entire body. You release more cortisol. Your acidity level goes way up, which is your pH level. pH, you have a scale 1 to 13. 13 to 7 is called basic or alkaline. 7 to 1 is acidic. The more cortisol and fear and anxiety you have, the higher you go from 7 to 1 in that acid level. You become more acidic. It is already proven the more acidic the body is the more susceptible to disease and all infections you actually are. I believe the fact that they could promote fear nonstop and pandemonium nonstop on the masses is changing your internal environment to cause people to experience the exact symptoms they are portraying to you over and over and over. This would be more of what in the medical world we talk about right now called psychosomatic mind over matter. Your mental state absolutely influences symptoms and disease internally of various organs. Great answer. 
here's a, a very good question from TJ Hiker 27, who says, is it too late to give someone ivermectin that has been, uh, that is 10 days in and having difficulty breathing? No, you should always give it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what stage it is. It's never too late. Uh, in fact, if they're having trouble breathing, I would actually recommend budesonide over anything. Uh, personally, mm. that'd be number one. And then, and then if they've really, if they're really struggling to breathe, uh, there's a ton of research on this, and I would just suggest, even if they're not smokers, hopefully they're not smokers. We know it's bad for you. But there are enzymes, actually, that are creating these histamine reactions, these things called cytokine storms from this respiratory virus that have been proven to be shut off with nicotine. And you can use nic nicotine patches or nicotine gum. I'd throw that along with budesonide in there to help remove hmm. or reduce the amount of mucus being produced in the lungs. But don't go buy a pack of menthols. No, don't do that. I'm just telling you, there is nicotine receptors that are being damaged supposedly by the virus, mm. respiratory viruses, and this helps with shutting those pathways down. Mm, interesting. Okay, so Don to Earth asked, how long should a person stay on apple pectin after the jab? Oh, six months. Okay. That means if yeah, you're going to so get one booster every six months, you're going to have to stay on it forever. Mm, At least okay. I would recommend that. Um, Thomas Bo Anderson asks, uh, is there any proof that SARS-CoV-2 actually exists? None that I know of. No <laughs> one's ever sad. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> when I well, just... I mean, I mean, but no, but CNN is proof though, right? CNN, uh, the Communist News Network? No, I don't think that's <laughs> proof. Okay. All right. So SARS-CoV-2, the virus, there's been requests nonstop of health agencies around the world to provide evidence of the virus. No one's ever seen it. No one's ever seen it. I've never seen it. So, yes, there is this idea that it doesn't even exist. However, the spike protein that was gain-of-function tested and paid for for years, this was being designed to be attached to a common cold virus. So were they working on this? Yes. Was it for a purpose of creating a pandemic and a vaccine to correct that pandemic? Yes. It's all documented. This was to create a pandemic, the SARS-CoV-2 thing, the whole thing. But I haven't seen that virus yet, but I don't know if you heard me earlier. I actually said I think the majority of the pandemic is actually being PCR. spread through the PCR test, which is why they're sending it out into all homes now in the, in the country. And, uh, and I think that's what they're doing. I, I think they're spreading something and then convincing everybody they have this respiratory virus and they don't. I think they're poisoning well, you. I also find that there's so many people that I know that never had COVID. They get their first or second vaccine. And all of a sudden, they've got a really bad case of COVID. So I, I've even thought, well, is it, do you have COVID? Or are you having a vaccine reaction that manifests as COVID symptoms? Absolutely. The COVID vaccines have the exact same symptomatology as the described SARS-CoV-2 virus. Hmm. Actually, remdesivir has the exact same side effects and symptoms as the supposed SARS-CoV-2 virus. And in fact, in July of 2020, can you believe that when the NIH published an article to declare to the world and to make sure everyone knew in the world what SARS-CoV-2 the virus does in the human body to cause disease. Like what organs does this virus attack and cause disease of? Would it shock you to find out that Gilead, the maker of remdesivir, someone on their payroll was allowed to attend that meeting and contribute to the listed side effects of the virus this was a complete cover-up 
by Gilead and the NIH, Gilead was allowed to include all the side effects of remdesivir and call it side effects of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So that every doctor who started treating patients in COVID-19 units around the country and around the world, the first thing they're supposed to do on day one is pump them full of remdesivir. And then they're going to watch their blood markers. They're going to look at all their organs numbers. And when they start seeing toxicity of the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, the heart, the brain, when they see all this and the GI, can you believe that Gilead was allowed to contribute to the list of known side effects and disease states of SARS-CoV-2? They were allowed to put in all their side effects that the doctors were going to be watching and they're going to go look at the data and go, is there any research studies that show SARS-CoV-2 causes kidney failure and liver failure? And they would look back at this research study published July 2020 by Gilead and NIH, no joke, in July of 2020 in Nature Medicine magazine. Uh, Gilead was allowed to, they could have put all the side effects of remdesivir in there. And sure enough, every doctor watching the numbers on the blood reports coming in, testing people in hospitals, they're going to see all the side effects of remdesivir coming up in the blood work, but they're going to be convinced from a study that the NIH supplied that it was COVID in the virus. It was never COVID. It was always remdesivir. It's layers upon layers upon layers of deceit and corruption. It's ridiculous. It's disgusting. Um, So Bless bless USA asks, is being shedded on the same as being vaccinated? Uh, no. The only reason, the only way that it's different uh, is you don't get the same amount of load of either toxin, antibody, or spike proteins when you're being shed on. The vaccinated person is having 50 billion mRNA particles injected into their body to create 50 billion spike proteins and thus at least 50 billion antibodies. And the person who received the shot That is way too much spike proteins. That is way too much antibodies for the human body to handle. So it will start to shed them. It will cough it out, sneeze it out, sweat it out, poop it out, pee it out. And you're going to come in contact with other people as you exchange these spike proteins and these antibodies. The people being shed on are not receiving the same toxic load of antibodies and spike proteins as the vaccinated. However, the same spike proteins and antibodies that are being shed on you it doesn't take very many to cause diseases inside of you. You just don't have the same exact load. I so therefore, that. I would assume the threat would be less unless you have other comorbidities you're aware of. And then who knows? You could have you could have a diabetes and you could get one spike protein being shed on you by somebody else. That spike protein got into the cells of your pancreas. It would worsen your blood glucose levels, put you in uh, hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia. You could go into shock and you could die. Yes. That is a potential from the shedding of the shots. Mm. So we've got two minutes left. I want to be mindful of your lunch. Uh, so I'm going to combine two questions that we have here. Um, one of which is, what are the ingredients of your artist lab's disease, disease prevention cocktail? And the other question is asking if you have recommendations on protocol for children that receive the vaccine on your website as well. Yep. So the uh, actually at the resources page, remember everybody that goes to the doctorartistshow.com I require you to put a username and password. It's free. Just sign back into the website. And then between on the navigation bar, between the words home and clothing, this resources tab appears when you sign in. It doesn't appear when you're not signed in. So when you sign in with your free username and password, the free resources page opens up. The very first tab on that page is my disease prevention cocktail. And it actually has doses for children, teenagers, and adults. So it's already divided up that way. And it's just 20, it's actually 20 pages of research study. The last few pages is what has the four nutrients on there. 
It's vitamin C, magnesium, selenium, and apple pectin powder. And it tells you the doses and for how long to do them. And this is designed for the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. I knew that the vaccines originally were going to be to inflict harm, death, and disease. My job was, I just couldn't help it. I had to produce something in the way to provide something that protects your body from the oxidative stress that is the beginning stages of all diseases. And so these four nutrients are just proven to provide oxidative protection for all cells in the human body. Not specific for a disease, just specific for protecting all cells from viruses, spike proteins, poisons, it doesn't matter. Great. Um, are the amounts and all your, are your doses the same for vaxxed and unvaxxed? Yes, they're identical. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, Dr. Artis, uh, thank you so very, very much. I, I have to say, and don't tell everyone else this, but I think you're my favorite guest to interview. So um, <laughs> it's always a blast. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. I, I encourage everyone to go to um, you know, Dr. Artis's website, which can you tell us your website again? The com and doctor is abbreviated D-R, the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. Great. Um, sign up for that, get access to that, you know, help your family get these medical power attorneys signed over, get all that taken care of, uh, you know, get your, your protocols in order just in case, be healthy. Dr. Artis, thank you again. I'll be seeing you in Phoenix soon for the next Reawaken America tour, which I'm looking forward to. And um, I, I hope to have you on again in the coming month or so, because it's always good to get an update from you. And I think what you're putting out there is a really important message. So thank you very, very much for what you're doing. And thank you for giving us an hour and 40 minutes of your time and, and eating into your, your lunch schedule. <laughs> you're very welcome, Seth. It's worth it. I've told people nonstop and I really don't care how big your audience is, how small your audience is. I have to tell you a story. Somebody invited me on their show a couple of weeks ago and asked me if I would do it. And I said, heck yeah, I'll do it. And the guy only had like a hundred followers. Four weeks later, he's demanding me come back on and do a live event with him, which I agree to. And the truth is, I know people know other people. And when truth is spoken, I'm hoping that it resonates with you and you will be able to go and share that information with the people you love. So with this guy, I took it and I was like, I don't care if you have 100 followers. I don't care how many you got. Those 100 people know thousands of people, you know. So hopefully we can convey some truth to them. I come on four weeks later for another one of his shows. And uh, I'd actually asked him, is it okay if I move it an hour later? Maybe it's being recorded. My two daughters in high school just said they have a choir concert tonight I was unaware of. Can I move it an hour? And he freaked out because he, his response was, Dr. Ars, no, 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 please don't cancel. I have thousands and thousands of people around the world that are coming on this uh, show. And I was like, thousands? I thought you only had 100 followers. Anyway, I told him, no worries. I already committed to you. I'll let my kids know. And I actually did the show. And the reason why he was panicking so much, I didn't know this, but he brought it up. He said, someone of the hundred followers took our interview and posted it on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, all over the place. And it got 4 million views in seven days. And that was just, that was just one of thousands of these interviews I've done for the last wow. uh, two years. And to me, it was phenomenal to know there was a reception uh, of something that resonated with people to provide warning, uh, hope, inspiration of some sort. That's really all my goal is. I'm trying to serve humanity truly. Uh, many people have said they've only gotten into this movement to try to protect the children and future generations. I've never ever thought that once. I'm trying to I'm trying to protect you from dying and being lied to, misconceived, and being murdered. That's what I'm actually most caring about. And I've said nonstop when people ask me about it. I'm like, I don't think about my kids. What I think about is now that I'm thinking about my kids that you brought it up. You know, this is what I say. Now that I'm thinking about it, hopefully my kids can actually see a lesson that their dad, seeing the world was being threatened, took a stand for all of humanity. 
I, I certainly see that lesson in you. So thank you so much, Brian. It's, it's great to have you on. It's great. We love you. All right. And thank you for everyone who's watching. Thank you for everyone who's joined Rise TV. We appreciate you. You are what allows myself and Magical Kate over in the studio room to be doing this full time. So we appreciate you all. Uh, thank you. And I will see you all on Thursday at 2 p.m. where I'll be interviewing uh, author Michael Sanger about uh, Xi Jinping and the lockdown of the entire world and how communist China orchestrated lockdowns around the world. Another fun subject to dive, to dive into. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dr. Artis. Take care. Have a wonderful lunch. You're very welcome. Enjoy the chickens. All right. We will. <laughs>